are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. Uh, I'm blessed to be here as well, so thank you. Anywhere where the Lord is at, I'm, you know, it's a blessing to be at. So, and uh, the Lord is certainly here. Uh, so, my name is Lewis Erickson. Um, uh, I've known Greg for a while, and and I've lived in Wichita, and and uh, have spoken many times at various churches, and and uh, so, and we've been blessed the last two days. And thank you, Delilah, for sharing that, and others, and. Uh, those of you shared last night, thank you. And so um, we're talking about the topic is seeing our world and seeing God differently than we do today. And uh, fortunately, not all of you have to have glasses. Consider yourself blessed if you don't. Um, it's fun when I try to, if I don't have these on, I try to read something, I just can't do it. Can't do it. Can't make sense out of things. But when I put the glasses on, all of a sudden I can make sense of things and see things. And so we talked about on Friday night, making sense of the world. And last night we talked about seeing God differently. And, and uh, then today our, the message is going to be about what's our response to seeing both of these things differently. So with that, I'm, I'm going to open up in prayer one more time. So, Father... Thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you that we can experience your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, we, we pray right now, we just ask for your presence again here, and we believe you that you said you'd be here with us. And so we welcome you. We pray that you're glorified here. We pray that you're honored here. Father, you know I'm, I'm just a man and I make mistakes. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd limit the mistakes that I make today. And Father, that uh, you'd anoint the words, Father, that they be from you and not from me. For my words are a dime a dozen, but your words give eternal life. And uh, so, Lord, speak through me. And I pray for our hearts that they would be open to hear from You. Like the sunflowers that turn towards the sun. I pray that our hearts would turn to You now. That we'd look to You. And that You'd radiate upon us and bless us. Thank You, Father. Be glorified here now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, so I just want to refresh our memory for a little bit of what we've done for the last two nights in case you weren't here. Um, making sense of our world and our worldview. That's a fancy term, worldview. But it just means how you see the world and how you answer certain questions about this world. But it's important to realize that we all don't think alike about things. So, um, but everyone has a worldview, whether they know it or not. And... Uh, that worldview, you've probably caught that worldview by those around you, what you've seen on TV, here on the radio, what music you listen to. It's sometimes called a social inheritance. 
And, but just like uh, you can catch a cold, that's not a good thing. Sometimes you can catch views of the world, and that's not a good thing. You're catching things that maybe uh, others have put out there, and, and they're not from God. So we don't want to catch all these things. But, um, and then the second uh, thing about worldview was your worldview is how you answer the ultimate questions of life. Why, where did I come from? How did I get here? Um, questions such as, what's, what's the purpose of my life? Um, questions such as, what's my destiny? Um, and where am I going to go when I die? And so, uh, those are, the, those are the, um, how your worldview is how you answer those questions. And uh, worldviews create ideas on how you to fix the world. What's wrong with the world too? You know, you may think something's wrong with the world, but another person over here may think, oh no, that's just fine. And so there's a lot of worldviews in conflict in our world. And so how do we fix the world? And um, those worldviews, they create ideas. And bad ideas have consequences. They hurt people. So it's really important to understand our worldviews so that we can eliminate bad ideas. And then worldviews, um, your worldview is uh, your declaration of what is most important in your life. Worldviews give us our values. And values determine our behaviors and how we're going to act. What we're going to do on Saturday night. What we're going to do on Sunday morning. Our values, our worldviews determine our values. Values determine our actions. And then... Um, Another recap from Friday night, we talked about true belief in Jesus. And that means uh, being committed to a certain view of God, being committed to a certain view of man, of sin, of redemption, of our purpose, and uh, to our human destiny. And those things only found in Christianity. And then we talked about how, maybe rather than saying a true belief in Jesus, a pure belief, because uh, ever, anybody ever uh, worked with rat poison before? You'll see it looks a lot like grain, except it's got a little bit added to it. And rat poison is like 95% grain and good stuff and 5% poison. It's the 5% that kills you. And so it's important to have a worldview that is not like rat poison. It's 95% truth, but 5% isn't, because that 5% will hurt you. So, um, then more recapping of our uh, Friday night, we talked about how, yeah, we can have a worldview, but other things can get on our glasses and keep us from being able to see the world. Can you see me? I can't see you. And, um, and so how it's important to pull those things off of our glasses. And that's what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 about casting down strongholds and every thought and bringing those things into the obedience of Christ. And uh, 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25 talks about bring, getting us to repentance, to acknowledge the truth. Because wouldn't it be great if everything we believed was true rather than 95% of what we believe is true but 5% not being true? So... Um, we talked about that, and, uh, and then we talked about 
If we're really going to see the world clearly from God's perspective, then we need to see it through the lens of Scripture. And that will help us to see life as it really is. The real reality. And uh, I don't know, we didn't talk about it the other night, but how many of you have ever seen the movie Matrix? <laughs> and there's this one reality which, hey, everything's great, but if you see the real reality, everything's really dark and dim and all that stuff. And um, there's some truth to that. It's not 100% truth, that movie, but there is some truth to that. And in the same way, we can see the world in one view and others are seeing it a different way. And it's important that we see it the way God sees it. So uh, and then we talked about, so the Scriptures are what helps us get there. And then it's important to know the Word of God, but then also know the God of the world. So then that's what we talked about last night. We did talk about worldview a little bit more and just saying that God is the starting point for worldview. And then we talked about um, a belief about God then helps us believe about everything else. And um, so we talked about if you really believe Jesus and are following Him, then your actions in the rest of your life will line up with that. And we talked about how it's possible that you may not live what you profess you live, but you will live what you really believe. It's in your heart and in your mind. So we need to get those washed by the Scriptures. And so then, last night, I'm almost done talking about recap here, but um, last night we talked about the book that I wrote and I shared how that came about. And, uh, and then we... Uh, talked about the purpose of the book is to understand and know God better. To understand how good God is and how much He loves us. And then to help you see your world and history from God's perspective through God's glasses. And so we um, talked a little bit about that last night. And then we talked about last night about how God wants to be known by us. And do you realize... The God of the universe who created us wants to be known by us just like we know our parents, just like we know our kids, just like we know our spouse. God wants to be known. God isn't some force out there like you would see in the movie Star Wars who's impersonal. But God is a very social God. And just like we like relationships and we have people that we... We like to hang with. God wants to hang with us. And um, so it's been, I've been struck by, uh, as I've re re read the Scriptures all my life, uh, how much God wants to be known by us. In Isaiah 45.19, I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. Maybe you've sought after God in your life, but you say, I don't really find Him. Well, he wants to be found. So keep looking. Keep seeking. Um, he says, I want you to know me more than I want offerings. So God wants to be known. So we talked about last night that understanding and knowing God is more important than anything else in our lives. Searching for God is like playing hide and seek. And sometimes God 
Like when I played hide and seek with my kids when they were really young, sometimes I hid, I hid very well. And it's like, uh-oh, I want to be here till it's dark. So I will, <clears throat> and other things like that to try to help my kids find me. And God's the same way. He wants to be found. He's not wanting to hide and never be found. He, he, he does hide, but he's wanting to be found. And why does he hide? Well, because he wants us to rejoice when we find him. He wants us to value him. And so he hides and makes it a little bit, makes us have to work for it. But when we find him, it's like, yes! And then he's like, yes! You found me and celebrates with us. He wants to be valued, just like we want to be valued. Uh, God wants to give us the kingdom, but it requires all of our heart to receive it. Not half of our heart, all of our heart. He wants all of us. Just like we want all of our spouse's love. Just like we want our children's love. And children, just like you want all of your parents' love. And then we talked about diligence being versus indifference. Are we indifferent towards God? Or are we diligently seeking Him? And we talked about why does Satan want to destroy us? And, uh, and that's because we're loved by God. And he doesn't like God. But also because he was intended for that relationship that we have. And now he left it. And so we're God's exhibit A. And saying, Satan, you messed up. See, look, these people, they haven't even seen me. They haven't seen me like you saw me in heaven. But yet they love me and they're willing to die and lay down their lives for me. They'd rather lay down their lives than deny me. So then we ask the question, are we filled with love of Christ or indifference? And then so finally, we talked about chapter 12 in my book, which is Genesis 22. And we talked about Abraham offering Isaac up. And man, God, that seems pretty mean. And that's what I do in my book. I take a lot of the things in Genesis where people get the idea that God is bloodthirsty, vengeful, mean, hateful. You can't mess up or oops, God's going to slap you. We take those stories from Genesis and we really expound upon them and we show you that God's really loving and good. He's also righteous and just. And He's a judge. And He's willing to forgive sin, but there are consequences to sin. But He wants to be with us. And so that's what this book is about. And we talked about Abraham and how God seems really mean the way He treated Abraham to offer, make him offer Isaac as his son. But we see that really God was trying to show us how he felt when he had to give his son, Jesus, his one and only son, to die for us. And so he was trying to build empathy, us to build empathy for Abraham to say, well, that's how I felt when I have to give Jesus to die for you. I want you to understand what I did in giving my son, Jesus, for you. And then we finished up with, we love God because he first loved us. That's how we're going to get to know and to love God more is by understanding how much He loves us. And so that's, uh, that's what we were talking about. 
the last two nights. And so, in a nutshell, God is the starting point of worldview, our understanding of the world. Scriptures should be our glasses to what we see the world correctly. Understanding God's love for us is the starting point for us knowing God, our understanding of God. And then today, we're going to talk about what should our response to all this be. So, what difference does all this make in our lives? What are we going to do differently after understanding this? So, I'm going to kind of open up the floor here for a minute. What should our response be to God's love? Even if you weren't here the last two nights, you can chime in on this. What, how should we respond to God's love? Love Him back. Give it back? Love him back. Love him back. Obedience. I'm sorry? Obedience. Obedience, yeah. That's good. That's good. That's great. That's where we're going to next. Love God in return. You know, Jesus talked about the greatest commandment. And in Matthew 22, that's where that's at, 37 and 38. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So let me ask you a question. Was there anything God could have done or could do now to show His love for us more than what He's already done in giving up His Son Jesus to die for us? I don't think so. I think... In doing that, he demonstrated, this is my viewpoint, God demonstrated to me that he loves me with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his mind. Because he, he gave the most important thing to him to die for us. That was Jesus. So, if we understand that how much God loves us and that he loves us with all his heart, soul, and mind. And He did everything He could to keep us from suffering His punishment and going to hell. If He's done everything He can in giving us His Son, Jesus, then it makes it much easier for me to love Him back. And if I love Him with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, I'm just loving Him as much as He has loved me. Then it doesn't seem as unreasonable when God says, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You know, when we first come across that, it's like, wow, God, you're demanding a lot of me. There's a lot of things I want to do in this world. There's things I like to do, I love. And, and you're just being unreasonable. Well, that doesn't seem the case anymore if we understand once how much God has loved us. Does that make sense? So, um, there's a verse in the Bible, I can't remember where it's at, but God won't owe anyone. I don't believe we will ever do something for God more than what He's already done for us. All we will do is at max is match what He's done for us. We will never ever do more than what God has done for us. Now consider um, John 15, 
5. It's, it, Jesus says, For without Me you can do... Does anybody know the answer to that question? Yeah. Nothing. Great. Good. Hey. Good. Without Me you can do nothing. We can't really do anything without God. He made us. He helps us. Much more than we know. Much more than we realize. He's there helping us. So, that's an important point to remember and keep that in mind here in a minute. And in addition to everything God's already done for us, He's, doing, he's preparing heaven for us. Heaven's going to be nice. One of the reasons I think heaven's going to be so nice is that there isn't going to be any bragging going on there. No pride is going to... God hates pride. And there isn't going to be anybody saying, hmm... Well, did you see me? Did you see all that I did for God? Did you see that I did this and I gave that and I helped these people do that? Aren't I something? There's going to be none of that. Hallelujah. Pride is what, what Proverbs says, 13.10, only by pride comes contention. Only by pride comes fighting. Only by pride comes disagreement. And so... There's not going to be any of that in heaven. Why? Well, because we're going to realize that without Him, we couldn't do anything. Yeah, we may have done those things, but we realize that it was Him helping us. And that's why the Scriptures talk about we're going to be casting our crowns before Him. We don't deserve all You're giving us, Lord. Thank You, thank You, but we don't deserve it. You deserve the praise. You deserve it. And that's why heaven's going to be so nice. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Did I hear that right? Right, that's right. There will be no boasting in heaven. That's one of the ways God's made it a wonderful place. So... Now, what else should be our response to God's love for us? What else should we be doing uh, to love God in return? Well, we should love those that God loves. And that's the second commandment that Jesus talks about. And here in Matthew 22, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament here from Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Did you know something? Jesus seemed to quote the Old Testament a lot. Actually, there he's quoting Leviticus 19:18. It says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go back to the first great commandment though that Jesus quoted here just a minute. He quoted that from Deuteronomy 6, 4-7. through It's hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, 
and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Wow. That sounds like God wants us to talk about His Scripture. See, when I'm in my house, and when I'm outside. When else? I mean, what, I mean I'm either in the house or I'm outside. I don't have any... I guess I want to work, but I, don't, I bet that follows under that. And when I lie down, and when I'm standing up. It's kind of like God's wanting us to talk about His Word a lot, isn't He? Now, why would He want us to do that? Because, you remember this? All these things that get on our lenses of Scripture? He's wanting all those things to come off so we can see the world clearly. He's wanting us to think like He thinks. But how, how can we talk about Scripture all the time? I mean, Jesus, what did Jesus do? He must have memorized it, maybe. You think? Yeah. Jesus memorized a lot of Scripture. And I think that's what God's wanting us to do. He's wanting us to get into His Word. Not only, He, he wants these glasses on us all the time to see Him, to see the world correctly. Should we memorize Scripture? Yeah, we should. I've memorized some. and I've been working at it for many years and I've even taught a course in, in memorizing Scripture. And I can help coach people with that too if you have problems with that. But let's talk more about this here though. This verse, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4-7. through it says, uh, these words shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently unto your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Do you talk, do you talk about the Bible with your kids? Think about home life and dinner table. Um, or, you know, maybe you're... you're sharing an apartment with a friend of yours or something, if you're out on your own, what do you talk about when you're sitting in your house? Or when you're driving places together? You remember Friday night? Well, for those of you who were here Friday night, we talked about how a worldview is caught, not sought usually. So, what worldview will people catch from us? What are our kids catching from us? Or what have they already caught? You remember uh, we talked about, and I pronounced his name Shia LaBeouf, I think, the other night, right? Okay, sorry, I'm not, I'm not hip. I guess it's Shia LaBeouf, is that right? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, okay, all right. Thank you, thank you all for correcting me. Remember we talked about him Friday night and we had a quote up there and we kind of analyzed his worldview, how he saw life based on what he said. So, and I'm sure you're analyzing me and saying, wow, Lewis doesn't uh, get out very often, I guess. <laughs> but um, what if someone was analyzing our speech? What we talk about. What would they say is important to us? The Chiefs. That's what's important, the Chiefs. 
or the, or the Cowboys or whoever you root for. Yep. Or home improvement. You know, I, you know. So, yeah. So what's coming out of us? What's people going to think our worldview is based on hearing us talk? Do they get the idea that God is the most important thing in your life? That you love Him with all your heart? If not, that's something we can work on changing. And, and what did we talk about a while ago? We can't do anything without the Lord. You're not going to be able to change your... I can't change the color of my hair. That's what Jesus said. You can't add any hairs to your head. I can't change the color of my hair unless I go by the store and buy something, but I can't just change it on my own. I can't add anything, add any hairs to my head. So... So with all that said, I can't do anything without the Lord. So how can you change your heart, which the Lord says, until He's there, is desperately wicked. I need His help to change my heart. So for us, for people to get the idea that we love God with all our heart, we need God to change our hearts. We need to work with Him. As one of the songs said, we want to work with you. And thank you, I really enjoyed worship this morning. Julie, you got a Julie, you got a great voice too. I really enjoy that. And you were singing, we want to we want to go with you, we want to do with you, we want to work with you. What what are you doing? We want to do either with you. And then the same thing that happens here in our hearts. We need God's help to change our heart. Um, and one of the ways God changes our hearts is by us getting into scripture. Scripture even talks about, I think it's in one of the books of Peter, washing by the water of the Word. In other words, when we read the Word, it's kind of like taking a shower. The Lord's just pouring over us, washing us. So, And then also, it's like food we eat. Water we drink. So, we, uh, how many meals of food do you have per day? I know looking at me, you're probably thinking three and a half to 3.75 meals a day is what Lewis has. And uh, well, you may be right there. Um, so, how many meals a day do you have? Three, two, something like that? I would ask you the question, can we afford to take time in our day to maybe just have one meal, but instead of food, maybe? I'm not asking you to not have your three meals a day, but what I am asking you is, can you just find 15 minutes to eat of the Word? It will change your life if you do. God will use it to make big changes in your life if you will do that. But you know... All right, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Don't be mad at me. We, when we were in college and we were apart for the summer, we wrote lots of letters back to each other. That was in the days where long distance cost <laughs> when the phones were attached to the wall by this cord. My daughter one time when she's growing up, she said, Dad, we keep losing the phone. Somebody ought to invent a phone that has a cord to keep it so no one can hide it. 
Well, when I was growing up, that's the way all the phones were. And for a simple phone call to the lady I loved before we were married, uh, that was $20 an hour by long distance. So uh, we didn't have those. So we had to write letters the old-fashioned way. And I'd get those letters and I would, yeah, I'd read those, and I'd put it, but I'd pull it back, I'd read it again. And if you're in love with someone, you like to hear them talk to you. And this is how we hear from the Lord a lot. He speaks through His Word. So, can you make time for Him at least once a day to hear from Him? I hope you can. Because that's, that's how He's going to change you. And so, conclusions to this weekend? Really, really, really love God. God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Love those God loves. Your neighbors, everyone. Let that become your worldview. And in doing those two things, you will do the first and the, and the second great commandments that Jesus said. And that if you do all these, you're going to keep everything else that God matters, that God cares about by doing those. If we love God with all our heart and we love our neighbors and everyone else, isn't it cool how Jesus was able to simplify things? He got to the heart of it. We as humans like to complicate things. We like to, well, what if this? Or what if that? Or what if in this this circumstance? And Jesus says, hey, in all of that, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love everyone else like you love yourself. And what's really cool, you know, we were talking about last night about how um, some people like the New Testament but not the Old Testament. And we like the God of the New Testament and Jesus, how cool He is, how loving He is. But the Old Testament God seems mean and cruel. But really, that's not the case. The same God, God didn't have a trans... um, personality transplant in the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's the same God in both. Well, Jesus was quoting. He got the first and second commandment from the Old Testament. It wasn't something new that He concocted. They were there already. So, the Old Testament, you can see God through it as well. So, know the Word of God. And most importantly, know the God of the Word. And cast down everything else that's not from God. 